0: Fourth and final hour, Darren, Donick, and Chase here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Sitting here right before, probably oh, about six hours away from puck drop here at Bridgestone Arena. Predators kicking off their regular season. First four games at home, and tonight it starts with a division foe, the Minnesota Wild, in town. Don't forget, fans, if you are coming to this sold out game, remember they've got a new clear bag policy here at Bridgestone Arena. For details, go to com under the Arena Policies tab. So a little bit different twist to getting into the building this season. We have had a packed house here at Pete and Terry's. Lunch specials, $12.50, burger and beer. We just gave away tickets 15 minutes ago and made somebody very, very happy. So uh, just remember, this is where we'll be doing our show before every Predators home game. A.J. Maleska will be a part of the NBC Sports Network broadcast this evening as the Predators kick off their season on the national stage. And, A.J., as we were joking earlier, apparently NBC likes the Predators in the wild.
1: <laughs> <laughs> see, well, who doesn't? Central Central Division matchup. They're going to see each other a lot this season. Yep. Should be a good one to start.
0: So I want to know the perspective for you, because you've been able to go from the booth to in between the benches and what that's like. In fact, We had uh, Peter LaVillette sit down with us in the last week or so, and I asked him because in preseason he went upstairs or had a couple home games and sat high atop as opposed to being down on the bench. And I said, it sounds silly, but people don't realize because I've sat on the glass and I've been up top, and there is a totally different perspective of the game to, to those two positions. And Peter LaVillette said absolutely, so that's exactly why He went up there so you could get things slowed down a little bit up there. You've had both perspectives. Just explain to our audience what it's like being down there in between the benches. And being up, you know, up high atop on the upper deck.
1: First getting into this job, I was always exclusively up top. And you're absolutely right. It slows it down. And most of these coaching staffs have their eyes in the sky. So they have somebody on a headset talking about what they're seeing. Uh, For the head coaches to get an opportunity to do it, I think is valuable for them. For me as a broadcaster, I remember the first couple times I was doing it, I kept thinking if I had just spent some time up here as a player, I would have been been better because you see so much more and you see the game unfold. And you can pick it apart. Now, it's also really easy to be critical from up there because it is slower. So you wonder why this player made this decision, why this player did this. And, of course, you also have the benefit of replay and slow motion and all these technology uh, bits that we have. And over the last couple of years, I've transitioned to do some more games from between the benches at ice level. And as a former player, I love it because the speed of the game, the everything the sounds the, the right in between the benches so you can hear them talking to each other hear the way the coaches talk to them see some of the camaraderie some of the chemistry see some of the frustrations see the little subtle things uh, and i find as a as a as an analyst i look at it differently so up top i'm looking at the big picture i'm looking at how a play developed when i'm down at ice level i love looking at the little things the way their skates move or maybe a hand position on a face off head movement the way they're looking at each other you get to see a little bit more of those subtle differences And I'm fortunate with NBC. I've got a partner that's up top covering all the big picture stuff, looking at the eyes in the skies. And then I can try to bring some of the in-game stuff to the people watching at home.
0: You'll hear things tonight that some things you can air, some things you
1: can't. That is absolutely true, and and there are times that I've been in games before where I have to be pretty heavy on that mute button because it's nothing I'm saying, but it's the people around me are saying things. Because your that mic's open, right? My mic's it's, open the whole time, yeah. yeah. Oh so wow. So and I'm, you know, it, it, some arenas like Little Caesars in Detroit, I'm on the Detroit bench. They don't, they didn't actually build a spot between the benches, so I have the doors opening on my monitor, and I'm right there. So if there's some Words said that are not appropriate for air. I got to be pretty, pretty quick with the mute.
0: And they, <laughs> and they have to. You're sitting there talking on their bench. Yes. All your hits.
1: And and in Dallas, you're in a spot where the uh, the backup goalie sits there with you. So yeah. you know, there's all these different things that that go on and. and you know, players are in and out. They're reaching for things, and obviously what they need is more important than what the broadcaster needs. But there are sometimes that happens coming out of a commercial break, for example. We're showing a replay. I've got the monitor. I need to see it. And I remember in Detroit I called a game there, and there's a player sitting on my monitor. And it's during a break. He's taking his break, but I'm trying to look around and see what's, <laughs> what my producer is telling me. And I, I remembered the play, but it's nice to know what's actually right. show, being shown on the screen to be able to talk about it accurately.
0: You talked about you playing the game, and now that you're on this side – We were talking to Hal earlier, how this is year three, how time has flown.
1: Hal who? Hal Gil. I'm just kidding. kidding. Skillsy,
0: that guy over there, big tall guy. (laughs) I heard he's a really good coach, by the way. And Uh, I think you've seen him in person coaching. I have. I have. Young young people. I know, it's a little frightening,
1: right? Molding the (laughs) minds and skates of young people.
0: But what you learn on this side. So I want to know, we always talk to players, especially younger players, you know, how the game slows down and how things – over time just like anything you do right things slow down you pick up things and you get you hope you get better at it so how's this been for you the more games you've done to where you are today
1: well it's very similar to well to anything that we do right the more reps the more you do anything the better you get the better you feel and I think for me I've really enjoyed it this job is I mean I love hockey I played it um my kids all play it I coach them to be able to see it analytically and, and look at it and try to – the challenges of trying to bring it to people, the viewers at home, and and break it down in a way that is – that make them understand what I think and what I'm seeing and maybe not always agree with me. And, and I, I hear from a lot of people that don't agree with me, and that's fine. Um, but I think that for me the more times that I do it the more comfortable I get and the more I do it the more I come to the same arenas over and over and I've I've been fortunate to do quite a few Nashville games so gotten to know you guys come to these arenas there's a comfort level there too that I can ask the questions of the players and the coaches and therefore go into the games a little bit more comfortable a little bit more confident with some of the knowledge that I have And, and you know it's still a learning curve and there's still you know This is my first game of the season, as is the players. So there's broadcaster rust as well as player rust. So we'll see how it goes.
2: talking to A.J. Malesko. She'll be on the call tonight, NBC Sportsnet. And, A.J., uh, we were discussing earlier in the show with the Minnesota, the perception is from the outside, hey, they're they're in flux. They didn't end well last year. But if you look at their lineup, it's a a pretty good lineup. And if they're supposed to be the seventh-best team, that just shows you how tough the Central is, right?
1: The Central is very tough. And, I mean, they – they had, I don't know how many play, uh, teams last year, over 100 points. I mean, it's a really, really challenging division. And, you know, Minnesota is so interesting because they have, they have a lot of talent. And I think last year was an anomaly. They finished the season really, they, you know, some of the players disagree with the assessment that their locker room was fractured, but that seems to be the perception from the outside, that there was, their body language was down. There was a lot of, uh, they were just questioning themselves. And there were big trades made at the end, a lot of locker room favorites left and then some young players came into a situation that wasn't easy for those players and I think now they seem to have a really fresh look about them for the even though the roster is very similar Zuccarello is really the big addition but they I I was actually in St. Paul earlier this week and I was at the wild offices and they just have a have a much lighter uh, atmosphere there and Everybody is saying there's just an optimism about them. And whether it's Bill Guerin coming in as GM, whether it's just a fresh season, whether they went on that that trip to Colorado. So, you know, I think for Nashville fans, it's exciting too because you know the Central Division is always going to be good. And if you've got this team that is allegedly the seventh best coming in first night, they're going to bring it. They're excited.
2: Zuccarello, you've watched a lot, right? You you did a lot of the series last year when he joined the Stars. You've seen him play when he was with the Rangers. But how do how do you think he fits into this Wild team? He's he's like you said, he's the new guy.
1: He is the new guy, and you know when he came into Dallas last year, everyone kept talking about him being the X factor because he was. Everyone loves him. All the players in New York loved him. In Dallas, everybody wanted to play on his line. He has an energy about him in the locker room, and he also has an energy about him on the ice. He's a he never stops, and he creates a lot. He's a playmaker. Uh, it's interesting as as a broadcast, you know, broadcasters we get to go in the locker room after of morning skate and talk to these players he is very self-deprecating it's and he's very funny he's got a quirky sense of humor about him but he's he's easy for those players so i think for minnesota he's sort of just what they need arguably look at their roster they've got a deep forward four lines they maybe need a dynamic score you know Preds picked up Duchesne. They don't have somebody of that offensive caliber. But I think the lightness and the and also just the skill that he brings with playmaking will be how, big for them.
2: How do you view the Predators and the moves they made since you last saw them? How do they look on paper to you?
1: They look good. I mean, they looked good last year. And, again, I think all these teams, you never know how the chemistry, how it's going to work. They have a very similar roster to last year, obviously, one big exchange um, but I, they look good to me, and, and listening to Pecarina in the locker room, he said, the la- ever since we've made the finals a couple years ago, every season it's been looking back to that, and how do we get back there? And he said, this year I really feel like we're looking forward. We're not looking at next year, and that to me is pretty powerful. When you take one of the leaders on the team, Stalwart, who's been here forever, for him to give that message, I think that you take the skill they have, bringing in a talent like Duchesne and you know what he's been able to bring to their power play, I think they're going to be a team can go far.
2: Hey, Jay Malesko from NBC Sports Network is here with us. And what does it do for the confidence of a team to, to know now that the idea is you're going to have two top forward lines? You, we know about Johansson and his line that you saw last year during the playoffs that we've seen the last few years. But adding Duchesne, this team now has something that they haven't really had in a while, and that's two top forward lines. What is that going to do for the confidence of the team?
1: I think it does a tremendous amount. I mean, that's they keep talking about it as 1A and 1B. It's not even, you know, you can't look at Duchesne as the second center. They, uh, I think – listening to Laviolette he's really excited about the duchesne Forsberg connection he's very he's experienced enough to know that we don't, no one knows until you go into the season how their chemistry plays out but in the preseason he liked what he saw i think for the for the team you know even taking Kyle Turris and bumping him down arguably he's a top 6 forward and you have him as a third line center that's that shows how much depth they have and how much they can just keep rolling at their opponents and knowing that those top two lines I mean that that's if you, have, if you play against a, a team that has a shutdown D-pair, but now you've got two lines to shut down, how do they match up? There are a lot of variables there that give that are in favor of the Predators.
2: Turris is obviously a, a name that we talk about a lot that's interesting. Had a, a rough year last year. They experimented putting him on the wing with, with the top line. Now he's going to center what appears to be the third line, at least to start. What, what strategy would you take with him of trying to get a player going again, trying to get his confidence back? He had a good uh, world championship. But to have him on the third line, is that the best spot to, to start him?
1: Well, I think that one key for him might be the time that he gets on that second power play unit, yep. which we think he may be on from what I've, I can see. Uh, and I think giving him some of those minutes there, maybe some offensive opportunities, I think that will help him. You know, confidence is a funny thing. It's so, val- it's so powerful in an athlete. And yet it's so fragile, too. So the set, when it's gone, you try to build it back up, and you never know how, how that can happen. And maybe it's a couple of fluke goals here and there, and then suddenly you just, it snowballs, and you build off that. You know, I think for him to understand that what he brings as a depth center— is going to be just as important as if he gets an opportunity to play on one of those top lines as long as he understands that his role is important and, I'm, and Laviolette's been around a long time and has a relationship with him. So building that confidence up is going to be critical.
2: And I think confidence was the big thing with the power play. That's what a lot of the guys said last year. You saw that in the series against Dallas. It went over, and and it just struggled all year, and they could never get it right. They bring in Dan Lambert to, to kind of give some new ideas to it, and all the players that I've talked to, they love it. Like It's a, it's a different look. And then not to mention the addition of Matt Duchesne.
1: Well, you know, it's so interesting watching a bunch of different teams in this league. power play, there are no secrets on the power play. I mean, you know, they won't, coaches will try to hide it and not, but they're all pretty similar. And so there's no, it's not, he's not reinventing, Lambert coming in isn't reinventing the wheel, but what he's doing, he's giving them a fresh fresh look and a fresh focus. So his big thing that I've been reading on what he's talking to them about is, don't lose momentum. It's not about necessarily scoring a goal every power play you're out there. Just don't lose momentum. Create it or maintain it. And what that comes – you've got to create shooting lanes. And you've got to make sure that you're moving the puck and you've got to be a little quicker. I remember in the Dallas series, what it struck me was how stagnant it became. And part of that is I think they were all gripping their sticks a little bit too tightly. Body language was a little – they were frustrated. They were feeling the pressure. They knew their numbers were low. And the second you take that away and you just give them something else to focus on as opposed to power play percentage – then they can start being a little bit looser and, and moving it around. You know, you got shane low now, yep. and then Arvidson's going to move high. And he had such a good year offensively last year. You put him up in that slot area. I mean, he could blow those numbers away.
2: Does having the one defenseman and four forwards allow you, especially with a team that has so much firepower in the, at the forward position, that allows you to put guys in the right position, correct? It,
1: it absolutely does. I think it depends on your personnel, though. I think Roman Yossi can – he's very offensive, and he can create – he can shoot, he can score, he can be leading the forecheck, but he's never out of position from what I've seen. And he is such a good skater, and he's so smart that he's a very good one defenseman to have out there. Um, and I think Eklund will probably be on the other unit. I think that they'll – Knowing that you've got good defensive players that can also add to the offense will be great. Now, they may move it around, and Laviolette said that. For now, they're 4 and 1. It may go to 3 and 2 at some point, but I certainly think that Yossi's the right guy for that.
0: Last thing, AJ. I was talking with Ryan Ellis this morning about just because he's been here a while and he's kind of seen this whole thing morph into what it is today. Like you said, you've now started to do a lot of these games. You've been here, you're kind of accustomed to this market, this building what we'll see tonight? what do you tell other people or people ask you about this market, this fan base from afar? I always like we always like getting the outside perspective
1: well if people ask me what favorite buildings to call games in, and I haven't been to I haven't called games in all the buildings in the league, but my first experience covering NHL playoffs was two years ago, and I did some of the Nashville, Colorado series and then went to did the Winnipeg Nashville Series that was an incredible run because you have the fans that you guys have here and the fans in Winnipeg going back and forth was unbelievable and I always go back that the the fans here are are very passionate they're very loud they're very positive and that's the other even win or lose I'll come here to Pete and Terry's afterwards and they're excited and they're enthusiastic and you can see they may be you know bummed out that their team lost but they seem to be happy about it and they're informed i think that's a misconception across the country and maybe less so now that vegas is sort of the new kid on the block but for years it was sort of like oh nashville's not a hockey town it's fun the players like going there people like to visit but the fans don't get it and that's completely false from my experience of being here fans are into it they get it It, you know the team's been here for what 20 plus years years, and it's um the fact that Obviously, the team's done so well. Poyle's done a great job with the personnel. Uh, They've had some successes to sink their teeth into. Uh, But it's been really fun to see the fans and how excited they are, how positive they are, but knowledgeable.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Hey, good to talk to you. Thanks for doing this. And we'll uh, talk to you down the road.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for having me. A.J. Malesko next, AJ. will
0: be a part of the crew tonight. It will be Chris Cuthbert, Mike Milberry, and A.J. Malesko. Tonight, Predates and Wild on the national stage this evening. We'll come back. More of Darren, Donnick and Chase next on ESPN 1025, The Game.